You can go right now to timeofgrace.org TV, or you could download the Time of Grace app on all of your devices, or you could check out Time of Grace on your Roku or Apple TV or Android TV or Amazon Fire TV. Wherever you like to watch TV, you can find Time of Grace. We want to make it easier for you to connect with God and his amazing love. So just go to timeofgrace.org TV or search for Time of Grace on your favorite devices. In this community, in this culture, in this country, the reputation of Jesus seems to be getting worse. And the more I was thinking about that situation, the more I, I realized, I get it. I'm not saying I agree with it, right? This isn't like my closing sermon here at the, the church, but when I actually think about Jesus, when I, I think about the things that Jesus taught, the kind of life he promoted, the lifestyle that he commanded, when I think deeply about the stuff that Jesus was upfront about, I get why people would rethink their relationship with him. Like, Jesus would tell crowds of people, hey, but before you follow me, before you're all in, before you, you surrender your heart, do you know the cost? Now, Jesus didn't mean that you had to pay him like to get into the Christian club. You don't buy your salvation. Nor did he mean if you do enough like really good things and you become a good enough person, then you'll be a part of the Heavenly Father's family. Jesus was simply saying, like, I'm going this way in the direction of my Father, and if you follow me this way, you can't go that way. And so whatever was over here, if you're keeping in step with me, if you're following me as a Christian, you're, you're not going to be able to have me and that at the same time. And the more I think really honestly and candidly about that, about the stuff you have to give up to become a Christian, the, the more I get why lots of people would rethink their total commitment to the name of Jesus. Jesus commanded, he insisted, and he clearly taught that we should love God more than anything else. Like, not just have this relationship with God on the side, but love God so much that if God said something, that would matter more than all the other things that are said. Like, what I feel, what I think, what I desire, where my friends are at, what my culture said, what my, my parents taught me, Jesus had this very clear teaching. I want you to love God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, and your whole strength. So if there's ever a conflict, pick God. Repent, change your mind about the order, and seek first the things of God. And, and that might sound like, sure, yeah, love God. But think what that means. That means when you're in a relationship and like there's been nothing catastrophic or traumatic or abusive. You're, you're just not happy. And yeah, God brought you together in one and, and you took the vows, but you, you just have no passion, no desire, no connection. To, to love God and to trust his word means it means that you stay. It means you don't just follow your heart and you only got one life to live. What, what God has joined together 
It's just a couple specific circumstances. What God has joined together, let no one separate. That's a high cost. If you're a husband in a marriage right now and you don't feel very respected, and just the, the intimacy is gone and, and things are wrong, do you know what loving God means? It means you love her today like she was a perfect wife. Right? Husbands, love your wives as much as Christ loved the church. It doesn't say love your wives if they're being great to you today. He said love them. It doesn't say love your wives if, you know, you've had really great kind of physical connection recently. He just, he just love them. Give, sacrifice, serve. It's much, much easier to be like, you know, I'll meet you halfway. Let, let's kind of compromise. But like total, handing over myself to love you? Or when there's tension with someone at, at school or at work and all of your friends are like, they're such an idiot and they're so stupid. I can't believe they do those things. Um, do you know what loving God looks like? You love your enemy. Like their sin doesn't become an excuse for your sin. You turn the other cheek, you serve them, you let your light shine just like Jesus did for his enemies. <laughs> and if you've ever had someone who's like annoying you in class or, or someone who's not very kind to you at work, that just, that is so not what your heart feels and wants. And just every day to try to humble yourself and serve someone who simply does not deserve it. So here's the question. When the full total of that cost hits you, maybe for the first time in your life where the cross of following Jesus feels so heavy that you just, you think like you can't. What will you think? Or maybe if you're thinking of someone you love right now who used to go to church but now they don't or they used to be passionate about Jesus and now they're not. It's like, if you talk with them this week, what would you say to them to get them to think again? As you ponder those questions, there's something I need you to know today. Did you know that there is an entire part of the Bible, an entire book of the Bible that is written about this very thing? There's one of the 66 books in the Bible that was specifically written to a group of people who were Christians but were like this close from rethinking their relationship with Christ. That book is in your New Testament and it is called the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, we meet a group of Christians who were fired up when they first heard about Jesus, but now things were getting really hard. It was costing them socially, it was costing them relationally, it was costing them financially. The book mentions like, yeah, you might have to shed your blood and actually die and be a martyr for your faith. And and these Christians were thinking, I don't know if I want to do that. And so the author of the book of Hebrews, we don't exactly know who it is. Some people think the Apostle Paul or Barnabas, the early Christian. We're not sure who. Uh, he writes this letter, and it's 13 chapters of one persuasive case to get people to stay Christian. Now today, I'm not going to be able to read all 13 chapters to you. It's amazing. If you're struggling with your faith, you should read it. But today, I just want to study one verse and give you one big idea for that moment when you feel the, the weight, the cost of discipleship, so you don't make Christianity part of your past, but part of your present and your eternal future. So let me give you the big idea up front. If you're taking notes, write this down. The book of Hebrews essentially says this. When you are rethinking Jesus, 
Think about Jesus. When you are rethinking Jesus, think about Jesus. When you're rethinking Christianity because you're focused on, you know, sexuality or marriage or divorce or forgiveness or when you're caught up in all that stuff and you're about to bail, you're about to leave, that is the moment we need to think, 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 think about Jesus himself. And I want to try to teach you all of that in a single verse from the glorious book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Here's what it says. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He doesn't just say, you know, think about Jesus on occasion or if it's Christmas or Easter, go to church and think about Jesus. No, there's, a, there's like an intensity and an intentionality Fix your, if you're struggling, if you're about to bail, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Don't, don't act like Jesus is another thing you're just scrolling through. No, stop the scroll. Click on the Jesus.com link and stare at that screen. <laughs> so let's practice this together. Look up at me for one second. On the count of three, I want you to glance at that cross over there. Let's pretend that's Jesus. I want you to glance at that cross as fast as you can and then look, look right back at me. All right, you ready? One, two. <laughs> right, the author of the Hebrews knows that if, if that's what your faith is like, you're in trouble. If I wanted to be a cheesy pastor, I would say, if all you got is a glance, you don't stand a chance. But I'm not a cheesy pastor, so don't write that down. <laughs> all right, like if all you have is, oh yeah, you know, I, I pray when someone has cancer. That's not enough. Or I say a prayer, I say grace before Thanksgiving dinner. That's not enough. Or I go to church on Mother's Day or Christmas Eve or Easter. Like, you're going to get a little bit of Jesus, but you're not going to get enough of Jesus to like help you endure and persevere when the difficulty comes. So instead, the author says, holy brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on Jesus. So let's try again. This time on the count of three, I want you to, to look at the cross of Jesus and we're going to stare at it for 15 straight seconds. No blinking allowed. Are you ready? All right, let's do it together. One, two, three. Fifteen. Something happened when you did that? I, you blinked. <laughs> Thanks for being honest, bud. <laughs> I think when I looked at that cross for 15 seconds, when I didn't just glance at it, I think I noticed things about it. Right? I, I noticed the nails. I noticed the, the stains of blood. I noticed the crown of thorns, when you don't just glance, when you, when you fix your thoughts, you, you see things you didn't see before, moving things, beautiful things. And here in this passage, the author is doing the exact same thing. He, he said, holy brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. 
Right? His friends are about to leave the faith. They're about to bail. He's like, hey, when you think about Jesus, don't forget, don't forget, Jesus is our apostle and our high priest. I want you to write this down. These are two things I don't want you to forget today either. Number one, that we think about Jesus as our apostle. Uh, it's actually kind of an odd phrase. Now, maybe some of you have heard of the 12 apostles, the, the 12 guys, Peter, James, John, and the company that Jesus sent out. The Greek word apostle, you might want to write this down, just literally means sent out. It's a Greek word, apostello, apo means out, stello means sent, apostello, apostle means sent out. So what are we going to call these 12 guys that Jesus sent out? Someone who wasn't good at marketing or very creative said, sent out guys. <laughs> and in Greek, that's, that's apostle. So we think of the, the 12 apostles, but this is, this is kind of a unique title for Jesus, that he is our apostle. He's like the, the capital A apostle. Because think of Jesus. He's the son of God. He's up in heaven with the Father and the Spirit. Life is perfect. There's no suffering. There's no crown. There's no cross. There's no nails. But what does the Father do? He sends him out. Jesus was sent out on this great mission out of great love and compassion for you and for me. Seeing our desperate situation that we could not fix, Jesus was apostled. He was sent out in love. And what exactly was the apostle to do? Well, that's the second thing I want you to write down. That we think about Jesus being sent out to be our high priest. This is... Uh, maybe the biggest idea in the book of Hebrews. There are, I think, four entire chapters of the 13-chapter book devoted to this one thing. Before you give up your Christianity, think, think, think that Jesus is your high priest. Now, warning, full disclosure, what I'm about to say is like the AP-level Bible class. So if this is your first time in church, if you're one of our guests, we love you. If you're watching at home and you stumbled across this online or on TV, we love you too. If this goes a bit over your head, that's totally okay. This is really contextual, but the Hebrews were Jewish, so they totally got this. Many of us are not Jewish, so we might not totally get this, but let me try my best. What is a high priest? If you would start from the beginning of the Bible and read it straight through, you would come pretty quickly to this church that God himself designed called the temple. A few years ago, my friend Tom created his own picture of the temple. It looks like this. So in Jerusalem, in the days of Jesus, there was this massive, massive structure, massive courtyard, many football fields, like wide. Uh, so in the Bible, you might find this like the boring part the first time you try to read it. You know, God is saying, I want you to make this room and that room and it's supposed to be, you know, this wide and, and this tall and this deep and I want you to have this candlestick over here and this table over here and you're reading it wondering, well, why is God building a church? And the reason God had designed this church was essentially so that you and I could, could see things and believe things that we couldn't otherwise see. So let me show you a second picture and tell you what I mean. Inside the temple, in the first room, God had this giant candlestick that was constantly lit because he was trying to teach people, I'm, I'm your light. I'm constant. I'm never extinguished. People come, people go. Your dad's there for you. Then he's not. Your best friends, and then she moves away. Like, friendships, relationships are extinguished, but I'm God. I'm constant. I'm eternal. I'm ever-present, and I bring warmth 
and life and love. You can see. You're not stumbling in the dark. You're not afraid. I am the light of the world, Jesus would say. And there was this table where they would put out stacks of fresh bread every single day. It was like a physical way of God saying, just like your body needs daily bread to survive, I'm your spiritual food. Right? Every single day, my mercy is fresh and new. I, I feed, you, you want forgiveness. You want to belong. You want a place in this world. That's what I'm providing for you day after day after day. And there was this uh, golden altar of incense in the back. Some of you remember this, right? And they would burn incense and the smoke would waft up to heaven and smell sweet. Well, why did God want that in his church? Well, because you can't see it, but your prayer reaches him and it's sweet to him. And each of those things is a whole sermon in and of itself. I'm not going to go there because what I want to talk to you about is that big, big curtain, angels stitched into it, purple and gold and red, that hung right behind that altar of incense. And there was a reason, a very good reason, that God hung the curtain. It was a physical way of God saying to you and to me, we're different. Like back here is the most holy place where I, the most holy God, live. But you, you're not most holy or more or less holy. You're, you're people, not God. Back here in my presence, there is no sin because I am the sinless God. I am 100% holy, but, but out there are not sinless people. There are people who sin in so many different ways. In those same chapters of the Old Testament, God said, I want you to appoint one man who on one day every year, called the Day of Atonement, will bring the blood of an innocent sacrifice behind the curtain. No one else could do it. No other day could it be done. One day, one man, innocent blood was shed and it was sprinkled in the presence of God. And that was God's way of saying, if you can do that, the sacrifice brought by a high priest, you and I don't have to be separated. We can be at one. Think of the word atone. At one. No separation, no division. Sinful people, sinless God can be at one if a high priest brings the blood. Is the light bulb going on just yet? <laughs> Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. What would that have meant? It meant Jesus is the one. 2,000 years ago, there was one man, Jesus of Nazareth, who on one day, a day that we call Good Friday, went behind the curtain. He went into the presence of God with an offering to give innocent blood. But it wasn't the blood of a lamb or a bull or a goat. It was his own blood. Jesus was willing to shed his blood, to give up everything that he had to be the ultimate sacrifice to pay for all of our sins. It was his way, by the shedding of his own blood, to make you and God one again. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, the Bible says, for the sins of the whole world, so that you don't have to wonder if God is far away or if God is mad or if there's a division or a separation. Are you going to make it to heaven? Is God in my life? Is he walking with me? I feel like he's... If you have the blood of Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, you have God. And apart from Jesus... You do not. Only Jesus can shed his holy blood 
to make those who believe in him holy. Think about that. If you hold on to Jesus, you have God now and forever. If you let him go, you don't. And you might get the the trinket or the treasure or the easier life that's here if you leave Jesus behind. But without Jesus, without the high priest, without the blood, there is no God. It's the promise that Jesus made to his friends. You're going to have to leave stuff behind. You're going to have to carry a cross. This will be hard. But if you follow me to my cross, I will bring you into the presence of God. You can have him now today, tomorrow, on your deathbed and forever. This is what I'm offering to you. I am the way, Jesus said, and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And on the day that Jesus died, do you know what happened to that curtain? (laughs) The Bible says that the curtain itself, the moment Jesus died on the cross, was ripped and torn from top to bottom. A miraculous way of God saying there's no separation, there's no division through the blood of Jesus. You and I are good again. Or maybe I could demonstrate it this way. This is my friend Chad. I'm going to try not to get hurt. One, two, three. Yep. Nailed this. Let's imagine for a second. We were worried that that was going to go terribly wrong. (laughs) Let's imagine for a second that this, uh, I think it's a mop handle. This is Jesus. Let's imagine that this part is all the stuff about Jesus that is really hard. Like being part of organized religion with complicated people and imperfect pastors and you get hurt, like that's the hard part. Or biblical sexuality or forgiveness for someone who hurts you or stuff about marriage or gender, money, whatever it is. Like this is the really hard part and this is the part you really like. Forgiveness of my sins. Shame gone. Guilt gone not afraid to die, know that I'm going to heaven, know that God is my heavenly father. Like there's a hard part to Jesus. There's a beautiful part to Jesus. And here's what you can't do with Jesus. You can't snap Jesus in two and throw out the hard parts and just hold on to this nice part. You you either have Jesus or you don't. But have you ever tried to balance one of these on your hands? Do you know what happens? Do you know what happens if you look here? I'm going to try my best. Three, two, one, go. I was trying. Do you know what happens? Same guy, same arm, same Jesus. If I don't look here, but I look there. Three, two, one, go. (laughs) How about that, huh? Yep, 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 yep. All right. All right, it's not easy, but you can do it. In fact, you can do it for a long time. Friends, this is God's way of saying, don't just focus on the law of God. <laughs> focus on the love of God. Don't just focus on the hard parts. Focus on the holy and beautiful parts of following Jesus. If you think about what you're giving up, you'll give up Jesus. If you think about what you're getting, You'll have Jesus, and you won't let him go, right? This is essentially what the book of Hebrews is about. Like, it's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie to you. No, you can't get rid of the hard parts. You can't cross out Bible passages. You either have him or you don't. But if you think about what he's giving to you, 
Like, you just have to look in the mirror and try to convince yourself you're a great person. You can be honest and know, but I'm holy and I'm forgiven and I'm loved and I'm going to be with God. And there is no doubt if you fix your thoughts on Jesus as your apostle, your high priest, your savior, you won't give him up because he's Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, dear God, I know the devil is so good at his job. I see it everywhere in our culture today. Just small reasons on the scale of eternity become reasons that people walk away and they lose touch and they drift and they don't even know it. And they embrace sin and they think they're good and they're not. And so God, I pray that we could resist the lies of the enemy today. I pray that you would help us to believe and, and to think and to know that these words are true. Help us to fix our thoughts on Jesus. Lord, I know there are people right here, right now, who aren't followers of Jesus just yet. I pray that today's honesty would draw them a step closer. And I pray that the beauty of the name of Jesus would cause them to cross that line and become followers too. God, help us to be honest as a church. Help us not to, to lie or deceive or skip important parts of the Bible just because they're not popular. Help us not to be people who try to please others instead of pleasing you and your will. And Heavenly Father, more than anything, I pray that we could encourage each other to remind one another in this place that this life is not the point. <laughs> the point is seeing the face of our Heavenly Father getting through the curtain and rejoicing in his presence forever. It's possible because of Jesus. It's guaranteed through Jesus. So God, help us always, always, always to hold on to Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Do you find Jesus really interesting, but kind of confusing? Maybe today you sense that God is working on your hearts and giving you a new excitement about the things of the Christian faith, but you're not quite sure what to do next. If so, you're exactly the kind of person that I wrote this brand new book for called The Basics. Uh, it's not AP Bible, and it's not going to answer every question you have about Christianity, but it's going to get you back to the basics of why Jesus is worth following today and for the rest of your life. If you're interested, just go to timeofgrace.org to download your free copy. I've got an important question for you. As you look forward to 2023, what are you thinking? Because your thoughts matter so much. What you think about yourself and about God and about life matters immensely. So much of that determines the level of peace and joy and hope and grace that exists in your heart. But the truth is, very often our thoughts are totally wrong. The difference between God's message and our minds can be massive. And that's why I want to help. Our Heavenly Father wants to give us a full, abundant life that's all about His truth and it's all filled up with His grace. That's why I want to share with you four exciting new resources so that your mind and God's message get closer than ever. This resource bundle includes my book, What's Big, Start Small, my DVD series entitled, What Was I Thinking?, Dr. Bruce Becker's 30-day workbook and journal called Bigger Faith, and a Bigger Faith bookmark. This resource bundle was created to help your mind connect with God's message so that you too can enjoy the abundant, full life that Jesus gives to you. This four-piece resource bundle is our way of thanking you for your financial support. Request yours today when you give by calling 800-661-3311, visit timeofgrace.org, or write us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53201.
grace doesn't end here. Visit timeofgrace.org and explore encouraging resources or sign up for a daily email and have everything delivered right to your inbox. Like our Grace Moments devotions, Grace Talks devotional videos, blog, and podcasts. Follow us on social media where you'll find a supportive Christian community. If you need prayer, give us a call and let us know what's on your heart. Thank you so much for your support. See you next week on Time of Grace. The preceding program was sponsored by the friends and partners of Time of Grace.